0: Welcome to Be Your Own Best Coach with JJ, the podcast. I believe that the best coach you can ever have is that one person that is staring straight back at you every morning in the mirror, you. Join me in discovering some key strategies so that you can create an empowered life and inspire others to live theirs. Your journey to being your own best coach starts right now. welcome back guys to be your own best coach with jj today i have the amazing brad sugars now brad sugars started the action coach brand in 1993 in brisbane australia today the company is ranked as the leading business coaching franchise by entrepreneur magazine Action Coach operates in over 80 countries and has more than a thousand coaches around the world, coaching 15,000 businesses every week. The franchise has received numerous awards, including fastest growing franchise, franchisee satisfaction, best overall company, and has, named, has been named the number one business coaching franchise in the world every year since 2004, which is Friggin' amazing. Uh, using the coaching strategies that have helped thousands of companies around the world, Brad Sugar's had and his executive team helped lead Action Coach and its coaches to some of its most profitable and best years ever. In the face of challenging economic conditions, Brad Sugar and his team continue to build business re-education to new, more innovative and exciting levels. I am so thrilled to have Brad on the show today, all the way from the U.S. Welcome, Brad Sugars. Hey, have you
1: write my intro everywhere. Right?
0: <laughs> I feel like I should have a drum roll here. I'm really, <laughs> really excited to have you on the show, and congratulations for your amazing success. Uh, and I know that I'm going to learn a lot from you just having you on the show, so thank you for, for giving me your time and the viewers your time.
1: Yeah, most welcome. You know, I think that, um, you know, as an Aussie who came to America almost 20 years ago to build business, it was like one of those great things and it's great to see so many more Aussies doing it today. And, uh, yeah, it's been a good time.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um, th- the first question I want to ask you, and, and sometimes people say entrepreneurs are amazed; they, They're just born that way. And, <laughs> and looking at your book, I know for a fact that when you were seven years old, you were selling your Christmas presents to your brothers. And not only that, you took it to the next level, which I just thought was a crack up. You took it to the next level by renting out your toys Mm -hmm. so that you got the money and then you got the toys back.
1: (laughs) My dad does love telling that story to embarrass the heck out of me. But, yes, you know, I think that... um, you're you're definitely everyone has a level of entrepreneurial flair within them they have a level of this level of entrepreneur the question is does that get um uh, built does that get added to or do you deny it do you all you know i remember my dad talking to my brothers and i one time and i was in business myself and we were a family dinner and uh, my other brothers thought I was crazy for being in business for myself. And Dad took them and said, you know what, I would have been in business for myself much earlier if it wasn't for the fact that I got a mortgage and got all these costs. And I, I thought, you know, it's too risky to go out and do that sort of stuff. And, but in the end, what I've worked out is it's far riskier to have a job where you have one boss than it is to have a business where you have thousands of clients. You know, you lose one client, you've still got a business. You lose one boss, you've got no money at all. So, yeah, I was never good. I was never good at having a job. I don't think I could have ever kept a job. I'm not a good employee. Much better employer than employee.
0: What, why do you think that is?
1: Uh, I'm very blunt. I'm very straight to the point. And if something's silly, I tell the person that. So, not good at uh, at, at having the bosses around with that sort of thing. But ultimately, I think that, you know, an entrepreneur can be built. Yeah. You know, an entrepreneur can be built. We can learn the skills of entrepreneur. If you if you, list, if you sit down and say, okay, these are the 20 things you need to learn to be a good entrepreneur, any of us can learn those things. I was lucky enough, you mentioned uh, I grew up in Brisbane. Brisbane City Town Hall, I was 16 years old. I met Jim Rohn, E. James Rohn, and, you know, he taught me a very simple thing. Read a book a week for the rest of your life if you want to be successful. Yeah. So, you know, I had to learn leadership. I read dozens and dozens of books on leadership. I had to learn management. I had to learn sales. I had to learn marketing. So I'm an avid reader and learner. Um, you know, I, Audible is probably one of the most played apps on my phone if you look <laughs> at screen time.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did, how did you fall into then the coaching industry?
1: Well, see, you got to remember, coaching didn't exist when I started. Yeah. It was consulting. And so when, when I first started this whole thing of business coaching, um, it was because I had other businesses as well at the same time and people were like, because I was giving speeches. Uh, a gentleman who uh, wrote a very good book called uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. asked me to speak when I was very young. And uh, I said, sure, I'll, I'll come along and speak. And I fell in love with speaking. I really enjoyed teaching and, and the the, the ability to impact people in that way. And uh, so people would always come up to me at the end of things and say, well, can you consult with us? Can you help us? And listen, I can't consult with you. I'm busy running my own thing. I'm doing these speech things on the side. Uh, But listen, if you call me every week, I can maybe coach you through a few ideas on how to do things. And after, you you know, you get that brainwave. After the, like, 50th person asks you, can I pay you for this, You kind of sit down and go, maybe I should start a business doing that one, right? Yeah. So that was 1993, so yeah, 27 years ago this August. So next next month will be 27 years that we've been helping business owners across the planet. Wow. um, Yeah, I gave it the name coaching because it was just... I remember reading Trout and Reese, uh, the the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, and one of the immutable laws was if you can't be number one or number two in a category, invent a new category. And so that's basically what I did with coaching. I said, you know, there's no way I can be the number one or number two in consulting, so I'll just be a business coach, not a business consultant. And for the first probably five years, people were like, what's that? What do you mean a coach? And then eventually they would, I started to compare it to sport and said coaching is not just for sport. And so we use that for branding all around the world. And nowadays people understand what business coaching is. Now they just need to decide to have one or not have one. So we're in that phase of, you know, when I first started, people didn't know what coaching was. And then we went into a phase of, oh, if you're failing, you need a coach.
0: Right. Yes.
1: That's what you do. Yeah. And now we've sort of reached the phase of, oh, you're doing good. Oh, to do great, you should go and get a coach. Yeah, and I think that we're very lucky. I was chatting with uh, Marshall Goldsmith. He's the top executive coach in the world. And I was chatting with him about this whole subject. And, and we've both seen in the last four to five years a real shift to winners having coaches more than those who are struggling having coaches. So that's that's been a really great shift for the whole profession, I think
0: beautiful and with your coaching franchise how are you guys different than other coaching businesses out there
1: well i mean when you when you sit down and you look at it first of all uh, we invented the business so yeah so that's, you know we are the number one for a reason we have a systematic methodology to show people how to grow businesses yeah you know, if you want to if you are a business owner and you want to learn to grow a business there is a recipe there is a When I'd written, I wrote my book, The Business Coach, after I had coached, or we as a team had coached thirteen thousand business owners already to success. Yeah. And so we then sat down and wrote a book on. Here is the actual methodology, the systematic methodology you should follow if you want to be a success in as a business owner. And the crazy thing is, people all go out there and they study for years to be a great hairdresser, and then they never spend a day studying how to be a great business owner. Yeah. You know, And so that to me is the thing. I think ultimately, though, the collective knowledge of my team is what sets us apart from everybody. You know, I've got team members who've been with me since day one. So I've got uh, literally hundreds of coaches who've been with me 10, 15, 20 years doing this thing. So our collective knowledge on how to get a business to solve any problem is, is just massive. Yeah. Just massive. Wonderful. What's been your biggest... I think our guarantee is probably... I think we're the only business coaching firm in the world that offers an actual guarantee of if we don't make you more money than you pay us, we'll work for you for free.
0: Yeah, so it's really measured in regards to... Because sometimes I think coaching can be very like um, not tangible. So your results are, are measured.
1: Well, the fun thing about business is it is very, very tangible. They'll yeah. tell you very quickly if they're making more money from what you're doing or not. Yeah, uh, that's that's always going to be the case. But I look at it from a point of view that coaching—if if you had a sporting coach and you didn't win more games because of your coach, the coach should disappear. The same is yeah. true for business. If you don't start making more profitability and working less hours, then yes, you should get a different business coach.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. With, what's been your biggest challenge in growing such a massive business? What's been one of your biggest challenges?
1: Human resources. Yep. Human resources is always a challenge, especially because we're in eighty odd countries. You know, you when you're managing, like, you know, our, our business in Russia. You know, I don't speak Russian. Uh, I don't really understand the Russian culture. Yep. I have to work with my my business partners and my uh, team in Russia to be able to develop our business in Russia. And so developing your people, if you want to grow a business, you've got to grow the people. There's no two ways about it. So you've got to hire good and build great. That's always been uh, the philosophy. Well, not always. Actually, when I was 20 or 21, I remember going to my dad and said, Dad, I just can't get good people. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, Son, you get the people you deserve. Yeah, <laughs> I, You're I parents love parents that. And running an average business, so the highest calibre of employee you're going to get is average. And it was like, oh, thanks, Dad, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very wise words there, I think.
1: <laughs> oh, extraordinarily wise. He could have been a little less blunt, though, maybe a little less blunt. <laughs>
0: Uh, what, what's been your biggest learnings as your business has grown? And, and I know it sounds like you can keep continuing to learn as the yeah, business is.
1: That, that's a tough one because the biggest learnings are, are always that there is no one biggest learning, I guess. You know, yeah. that, that you're consistent. I think probably from a philosophy point of view, the biggest learning is you should go faster than you think you can. Um, you know, everyone is way too slow in business. They doubt themselves and they go yep. in that self-doubt and that worry of, oh, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't? And you should just go faster. You know, that, that's the thing. From a business point of view, um, I would have to go back to the people one that if I build my people, they build my business. You know, if I try and do it all myself, then it, it isn't a business. It's a job and I work for an idiot yeah um, that's that's the simplest reality of it so you've got to build a business that, that that can do it whether you show up or not
0: yeah how have you navigated through the covid situation with your business
1: um well i have nine businesses so uh all all nine of them uh, sorry all by one of them we kept running we have a restaurant here in vegas where i live at the Wynn casino and because when casinos were fully shut down, we had no choice but to uh, fully shut down the, the, the restaurants. So, but all of uh, our other businesses we pivoted or found a way to go virtual, or we changed our products, changed our services, like our, our food truck business that was decimated. You know, spring for us is when we because our food trucks are at festivals and concerts and all of those sorts of things, and yeah. spring is 50% of our annual revenue. Wow. So we lost 50% of our annual revenue right there. So we had to change the business entirely to get it through. Um, the biggest thing for me, I guess, is that I, I'm, I don't know if you can say lucky, I'm lucky enough that this is the fourth uh, economic downturn I've run my businesses through. Yeah. So, you know, over the years I've had uh, multiple different companies in multiple industries and first economic downturn, I didn't know what I was doing. And I did that whole head in the sand and hope like heck it'll change type thing and that didn't serve me well at all, didn't serve anyone well. The second time around, I knew I had to act, but I didn't really have the confidence to act because, you know, in an economic downturn, you've got to first of all uh, have a plan for survival, then a plan for thriving, and then a plan for taking advantage of all of the opportunities that come because of the economic downturn. Um, and so the second time, I, I, I uh, sorry, the third time, uh, I really took action. The third time, actually, in 2008. I literally spent a million dollars of my own money to fly all around the world and teach people how to survive this thing and how to thrive through it. So yeah, but this this time around, because of the virtual viral nature of it, it was really interesting. I was forced to go like I am here with you and go virtual. And yeah. uh, we've helped more than half a million business owners just through my uh, teachings and podcasts and stuff like that around the world since COVID started. So we we are in a very simple mind. Whenever there's a negative, you double down, you go harder, you go faster, you do more, you don't do less. You, I, I literally, and, and maybe, you know, we can find the link to it. Uh, my team can get it for you. I literally recorded a 10-day program for people on how to survive and thrive during yeah. COVID. Yeah, um, that would be great. And, and lately, lately it's been a lot of two steps forward, one step back, and uh, especially, you know, like Melbourne. Melbourne right now is two steps back almost it's like three steps forward two steps back and you start seeing that And so it's really about uh, right now it's really about the mental focus that we can give people and if we can help people stay mentally strong during this because listen we're we're, we're no way out of the woods on this one yet and it's going to get better and worse and better and worse and it's just going to keep doing that so uh, different markets are going to be behaving differently but ultimately for me it was work much harder and do much more and take really good care of your people and survive by keeping all of your best customers with you um, and just do all of the things that needed to be done you know i know our commercial cleaning business down in australia you know we had to we had to knuckle down because you know a lot of the gyms that we have as clients but we ended up coming out of this thing much bigger and much stronger because all of the commercial cleaning that we're doing right now for you know basically, covid style cleaning the to that degree is quite phenomenal, and so we won a lot of business by doing that. And, you know, we kept a lot of our good customers, our gym customers, who we said we're just going to keep cleaning whether you can pay us or not. And uh, because you're shut, we'll only do it once a week instead of uh, you know every day. But when you can pay us, pay us, but you only pay us half, pay us half, but whatever, we'll stay with you. And because of that, we won a lot of businesses on, on referral and that sort of thing. So You know, COVID is not going to beat our businesses, that's for certain. We're going to beat this thing from a business perspective. But Yeah. um, we just got to make sure we all stay healthy to make sure we can beat it from a business perspective. Absolutely. And that's one of the hardest parts, remembering that it is a human crisis first and a human crisis second.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting watching the the patterns of people's behaviours. So, you know, some businesses, business owners, shrinking and you're not seeing them doing anything um, and i have to say it's, it's really great to hear your journey of experience going through different crises, because this is probably the first one i've gone through and the first thing i said was fuck
1: <laughs>
0: i was like, fuck. and because i'm such a face-to-face person and i love that interaction it was like shit it took me a couple of days to say JJ, you've got to start freaking doing something and uh, get your head out of the sand and step up. Uh, and so I think it's great also seeing the business owners step up, try something new. It's I find it really inspiring seeing people doing different things.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to remember, if we go back to the last economic crisis, 2008, and we start to imagine... What businesses were created during that time? Right? Yeah. We get things like WhatsApp, Instagram. We get things, you know, all of these amazing businesses that were created because of crisis, right? Crisis leads to opportunity. The level of opportunity right now in the market, I'm negotiating on two businesses to buy right at this point in time because I sit down and I look at it and I just go, the level of opportunity is going to be crazy in the next little while. I I literally got an email from a buddy or a text from a buddy of mine today. He he was at a thing the other week. He's renovating properties right now and he was at a thing and they were selling off all of this amazing cookware stuff like Wolf Kitchen, Sub-Zero stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they were selling it all off and he just said to them, well, how much for all of that? And they said, well, I don't know. They came up with a price. He said, done, I'll buy all of that. He just unloaded it all for double just uh, yesterday. So so wow, the, the level of opportunity right now is massive.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: and and you're either looking for opportunity right now, or you're going to be one of the opportunities. Yeah. The choice.
0: How have what have you been doing in ISO? Because you guys are still in full. Are you full in full lockdown?
1: Uh, no, we went to phase two. We've gone back to phase one and a half. But uh, I took so I I spent the first so from end of February I started teaching for this thing because we we could see the writing on the wall end of February when Italy and China were where they were at we started teaching how to survive and thrive through this thing. Um, And so I spent basically till the end of last month just glued to this screen and teaching. Um, And then I took the family away for two and a half weeks. We hired two big motorhomes and travelled around the country and just got every now. you got to remember, i got five kids, homeschooling five kids. My wife is an absolute saint. There's no two ways about that, you know. The teachers lied. My kids are not a pleasure to having classes. <laughs> um, you know, so, so yeah, we we went through it all the same as everyone else. You know, I'm pretty lucky. We have a pretty big place to live in, so yeah. And and the weather turned nice, so we could be in the pool and all that sort of stuff. But, dang, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> We did. We went as stir crazy as the next person. I gotta yeah. tell you, there was some stir crazy times out there.
0: Do you take up any hobbies like singing or playing the piano or baking yeah, the bread? Only, <laughs> the
1: only hobby I took up was uh, getting on Zoom every day and teaching business owners. You know, yeah. Look, I, I, it's it's very hard for a lot of business owners, especially like yourself, first time going through an economic downturn. Yeah. You know, when business owners, their first time going through an economic downturn, they hit panic immediately. It's yeah. just, there's nothing else for them to hit. You know, I I, I relate it back to, uh, you know, the farm. I'm lucky enough that our family had farming in our background. Mm. And so when you look at uh, summer, winter, spring, fall, you know, you understand. And, and I back in the start of 2019, I was with a group of my friends and we all sat around and said, what's going to cause the downturn? because it had to come yeah 20 we were in we were 2012 to 2020 we were in the biggest economic boom that uh we'd seen as a globe as a planet right yeah there had to be a downturn we thought it was going to be brexit or we thought uh korea or maybe the u.s elections later this year none of us could have guessed it It was some crazy guy in china that was going to cause this pandemic that took lives and Mm. uh, ruined businesses and now we see the, the social impact of all of this in the suicide levels and mm. just the, the, the riots and protesting that followed because everyone was stir crazy. Yeah. You know? and, and yes, they were. I, it's like, okay, so we brought it over Black Lives Matter. I don't think it would have mattered what it was. People were looking for some reason to go stir crazy at, this, at, at, at the end of this lockdown. If we look back at previous lockdowns in history, we see uh, that stuff happening a lot, so
0: yeah absolutely as a business owner going through all of this what do you regardless of covid what do you think makes up the makeup of a great business owner to be successful what sort of personality traits do you think that they need or have to acquire
1: Yeah, so skill-wise, skill-wise, it's got to be communication, got to be management and leadership. And and, and I think they're the most important skills. People sort of say, oh, but do they need to know marketing? Do they need to know sales? Do they need to be – you need to know enough about that to employ great marketing people. You need to know enough about that to employ great sales people. You don't have to be brilliant at that thing, but you have to be brilliant at management. You have to be brilliant at leadership and you have to be brilliant at communication. Yeah, um, from a personality viewpoint, I think I, I think self self determination is probably the biggest uh, thing. The most most small business owners that I see fail, they don't fail because they're bad at the job of the business. They fail because they never succeeded at becoming a business owner. Like you've got my book Billionaire Training, right? Where we yep. talk about the difference between self employed and manager and owner. Yeah. That self employed person. Most of them never get out of the employee mindset. So they still think like an employee, even though they now own their own business. They don't. They own a job. They work for a crazy person. They're they're aiming to build a business. Business by definition, my definition of a business is a commercial, profitable enterprise that works without you. If you have to be there, it's not a business. It's a job. Yeah, you know, And that's that's what you have to realise and that's where a lot of people struggle with that because they're thinking, well, what is it that I need to create? How am I going to, to do that? And that's what the planning side of all of this thing in business is all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I find really interesting, and I know that this has been a challenge of mine, particularly when I first started out in coaching, was people's relationship with money. How would you define your relationship with money? And I'll give you another question. And then how do you define or how do you see a lot of people's relationship with money?
1: Okay. So let's start with what I perceive money to be. Money is an idea backed by confidence that's exchangeable. Yeah. So for for there to be money, like if you want me to invest money in your business, you've got to give me the confidence that you're going to – that your idea – will be successful and that uh, you'll be able to exchange or give me my money back or give me a return on my investment at some point in time. time. Yeah. Most people's relationship to money is based on what they grew up and how they grew up with it. I was lucky enough uh, very young to study a gentleman named Reverend Ike, Dr. Frederick ike karen And Reverend Ike was a teacher, and a preacher on the subject of money. And uh, he grew up in Harlem. And I uh, ended up owning a city block in Harlem for his church. And uh, I was lucky when I was, dang, I brought him out of retirement. He was 80 odd. And I brought him out of retirement to come and teach me and all of my coaches one time. And Reverend Knight, he preached on the subject of money because the subject of money, most people believe those silly things like money is the root of all evil. And, you know, you keep the good linens for when the guests come over and that sort of thing. And you, and they have a negative relationship to money. They see yeah. money as that. But my relationship to money is money is just a multiplier. Yeah. Money is, and fame and money are both multipliers. If you're a really nice person and you get a lot of money, you'll be an amazingly nice person. Yeah. If yeah. you're a complete jerk and you get a lot of money, you'll be a massive jerk. Yeah. You know, there's, there, that's basically the way money seems to, to uh, be bring out in people who they really are type thing yeah um you know listen i'll I'll be blunt one of the reasons i moved to america is because americans relationship to money is very different to australians relationship to money i remember being in australia and i love cars and i remember one day driving down the street in brisbane and and, uh, i I had a beautiful yellow lamborghini gato and uh i remember just pulling up a set of lights and a guy walking across the street looked at me looked at the car looked at me looked at the car you wanker! And it's like, yeah. Huh. Now, of course, that could only happen in Brisbane. It wouldn't happen in Sydney or Melbourne or anywhere like that, you know. But I remember here in the states. I've lived here oh, a few years, and um, I had a beautiful. I have a beautiful Rolls Royce. I still have it today. It's a blue convertible uh, Rolls, and I remember pulling up to set of lights. A couple of young guys pulled up next to me in a in a Honda. And they put the window down, they leant out the car, and they were like, hey, buddy, great car, well done.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. You
1: know, so, so attitudinally, you know, Australia still does have very much a convict mentality when it comes to money. I mean, yes, yeah. it's it's
0: that tall, I don't, I don't, tall poppy syndrome.
1: Uh, the tall poppy syndrome, it just guts me in Australia. I remember going yeah. back to speak at the Australian Small Business, uh, Small Business Week And speaking before me was was Prime Minister Howard and speaking just after me was Kevin Rudd when he was running against Prime Minister Howard. Yeah. And uh, I was in the middle, so I had to try and be apolitical, um, which is very difficult for me to not offer an opinion. Um, (laughs) But interestingly enough, I, I brought up the subject of how Australian entrepreneurs are some of the best entrepreneurs in the world. And the reasoning for that is actually relatively simple. Australia is one of the hardest markets to succeed in the world. It's one of the hardest. You've got a a, a very small population base, massive costs of distribution because it's such a vast country. Everything's going to come from overseas in, in most cases massive wage costs. The wage costs in Australia are beyond ridiculous. When I explain to people outside of Australia, the 17.5% leave loading for people when they're on vacation, they look at me like I'm a complete moron, (laughs) you know? And it's like, no, no one does that. Yep. And four weeks paid vacation. But when do they get four weeks? See, here in the US, the first week you work for a company, you get one week uh, that year. The second year you'll graduate to two weeks. And then the third, if you're lucky, you'll graduate to three weeks. And that's about it. That's sort of the end of it. And there's not this 13,000 public holidays and all that sort of stuff. So for you to succeed in Australia, you've got to be amazingly good, yeah. amazingly good. And that's why I love teaching Aussie entrepreneurs to go overseas because yeah, look, here, here in the United States, I, I love, this is my adopted country. I'm married to American. I live here. I'm half American, half Australian. I, I, <laughs> I carry both passports. Um, still have a home in Australia though. My home on Hamilton Island is still there, so we love getting down to Hamo and, and doing that. And hopefully we'll be able to. Hopefully we'll be allowed back one day. Yay! Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. But but I sit down and I look at how well uh, Aussie entrepreneurs do when they go overseas, and I, I just think that more and more of them should.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With um, you being a mentor to so many people. What mentors have you had, and I mentioned a couple mentors in your life that you really feel has helped you on your journey?
1: Yeah, look, um, my dad was obviously a very good early mentor, especially in common sense. My dad was very much street smart. That was sort of the thing that he taught me. My mum was very book smart, so I was kind of lucky to have both role models and both mentors early on um, in that. Um, Jim Rowan was one of the first early people that I learnt from a whole bunch uh you know, he. I was lucky at age 16 I won the Rotary Youth Leadership Award uh, in my area, Sunnybank uh, in Brisbane, Queensland, and they sent me away for a one-week training on how to be successful and how to be a leader at 16. Wow. That 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 changed the trajectory of my life. And that's yeah. why if you can invest in someone who's 16, 17, 15, you can invest in leadership training for them. That, to me, is one of the, the, the biggest things you can Hence our foundation, the Action Coach Foundation, we spend a lot of time educating young people how to be employers, not employees. Yeah. Um, and that to me is, is of importance. Um, I've totally lost track of what the question was now. About your I... <laughs> <laughs> mentors. That's right, mentors. Look, I'm lucky enough that with my business being a business coaching company, I literally have thousands of people who are just phenomenal business people who are around me all the time and, uh luckily all of our franchise partners are willing to tell me exactly how i should run the business so uh although i don't really run the business anymore i'm I'm lucky enough to have a really great team that run the business and i get to be the face of the company and uh relax and not shave and wear t-shirts and ball caps and stuff (laughs)
0: love it love it as a as a leader what values do you have as a leader for yourself
1: oh dang um Let's, first of all, give you my definition of leadership. So yeah. management is about competent, productive people. That's what management is, building competent, productive people. Upon uh, Once you've got good management, then you can build good leadership. Leadership is about passionate, focused people. So, you know, my role as a leader is to keep people focused. My role as a leader is to give them something to focus on that's positive, to keep them focused on what's working, to keep them focused where their energy needs to be, not, not on the negatives. You know, you saw it with COVID. Yeah. I've watched a lot of companies where the leaders just shut down. They didn't say anything to their people and their people were lost. And you know, now the business is lost. It's, it's crazy. And then the other is the passion. You know, I, I, when I sat down and started action coach, I wrote our vision of world abundance through business reeducation, you know, to change the world by re-educating business owners and save the world one business owner at a time. And, Create we create more jobs than most governments uh, by what we do because literally every business coach that adds jobs it's a phenomenal phenomenal part of the success of any economy, but um, I, I Think ultimately a leader Has to come with a servant mentality and if they do that then then you know everything works. Well um, you know, I I, I I Guess ultimately the leaders job if you go back to what it's it's an old saying but it's very true and that is the leader's job is to create more leaders. Yeah. Um, my, my job is to consistently create people who can lead, you know, keep building them. All of my executive teams and all my companies, my job is to coach them to be better at their job. My job is to consistently make sure they're better so that they can build a better business because if I don't build my people, they won't build the business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, one of the things I'm really passionate about as a, a, a public speaking coach is women stepping up even more and getting on the speaker circuit. And you talk, talked about how you love speaking uh, before. Why do you think that or what do you, what's your view on women in leadership in comparison to men in leadership and why we haven't got more le- women in leadership and, and women on the speaker circuit? What would be your thoughts on that? Dang, don't throw me any easy ones, will you? <laughs> um,
1: you know, look, I, I, we, we hire a lot of speakers in my company and we mm. really struggle to get uh, female speakers. We do. Yeah. You know, um, and I, as an opinion as to why, oh, I, don't, I, I honestly have not sat and contemplated why more women don't go into speaking. I know for us as a business coaching company, and you know, I've thought about it from business coaching, so I'll, I'll do it from that angle. Yeah. Uh, several, in our top 100 coaches, uh, we would have at least half of them are female. Yeah. In an organisation where only one-third of our organisation is female. So we 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 literally specifically run targeted ads to find more women. They are amazingly great coaches. Yeah. Amazingly great coaches. And I think a big part of that is ego. Men let ego get in the way of, of their success, whereas um, you know, and not all women, because this, this is the thing, you can't generalise women. Because, like, I have four daughters, so I, I'm an advocate for strong women from yeah. the day I was done. You know, the first book I read when I knew I was having a daughter is called Strong Father, Strong Daughter by Meg Whitman, and it was the first book on raising kids that I read. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I sit down and I look at it. I Ultimately, um, things take time. And young people aren't on the speaking circuit either. Yet I started when I was twenty out on the speaking circuit. Yeah. You know, so I think that I don't know. I've built a ton of female phenomenal speakers. I've built a ton of them in my organization, and they're some of the best of the best. And I love watching them get up there because they're they're empathetic, but they'll tear you to pieces if you don't listen. <laughs> oh my God. You know. Um. I would love to see more female speakers out there in the circuit. One of my good friends, Sharon Lecter, she co wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And Sharon is probably one of the most powerful female speakers. And, and I've used Sharon a bunch. And actually, I was just talking with Mari Smith, who's the queen of Facebook. I've used her a bunch, and she's speaking for me again at another event in a few weeks' time. And, and I find their ability to move audiences is phenomenal. Um, you know, Susie Lightfoot, a good friend of mine in Australia, she came to me the other month asking, where can I learn to be a speaker? And now she's crushing it out there. I, I yeah. Look, I think that it's not just women who are scared of speaking. It's everybody. But I think it's possibly, and this is what I try and teach my daughters, is that you have a voice, use it. Yeah. You know, having four daughters, my eldest being 18 and my youngest being two, you know, I, I really having to help them understand the power of their female voice and to use their voice and to not feel like they're, they're hidden and that sort of thing. You know, it's interesting because here in America, and it's, it's wrong that people see America as a racist country. America is not a racist country in any way, shape or form. You know, it's, there are racist people, but it's not a racist country. But I I asked the question to people who got the vote in America first, women or black men? Men, black men got to vote well before women did in America. America is more sexist than it is racist. and That's just yeah. not America. That's the world. I mean, for goodness sake, but uh, look, dang, I would be a lot richer if I, uh, than I am if I could solve that one for you. Greater, <laughs> philosophers, greater philosophers than you and me have debated that for a lot longer than you and me have. But <laughs> I, I love, I have so many powerful female business friends that I just love watching them get out there and do that stuff. And you know, women are some of the best supporters of women, but I got to tell you, you girls also beat the heck out of each other harder than any men do. Like, you girls rip each other. and It's scary, because, like, I, my, my second eldest daughter, I had to have a cold conversation with her recently because, I don't know, like, guys just don't tear each other the way girls do. And it's, and it's like, it's hard for me to understand that. And she had to educate me around that stuff. And listen, I think that... Uh, and this is the very thought, logical side of me. I, I think that uh, more women should be out there than I um, More women should want leadership positions than do. Um, but it's gonna take time. It's a generational shift, you know, mm. it, it just is. It's I, how, it's... I, I, don't see, I don't see any of my daughters stepping back in any way, shape or form. And not taking a leadership position. If there's a leadership position often, they're stepping up. I well, I hope they are. My yeah. wife, damn, she's a strong
0: stuff. So. <laughs> well, it's it's really interesting the patterns of, and this is a big generalization, but with the men that come into my courses and the females that come into my courses, it's the simple things that I've observed with women in comparison to, to men, and this is a big generalization. But Men, when even they say their title, they'll say, they'll say it with strength. It's like I'm a CEO or I'm an owner of a business and they will step in and they'll go for things, whereas women even say their name quietly. They'll even they'll downplay who they are rather than taking, you know, putting their hand up and saying I'm in and I'm ready to go for it. Uh, they're holding themselves back.
1: So you know what's going to happen from this conversation? A lot more massively strong women are going to come and see you. You <laughs> know, you're going to get a lot more massively strong women because the the thing is, you you've got to start attracting that. You've got to attract those strong women into your life. I I watch the women in my franchise here, and and I'm just thinking of a few of them right now, and dang. I, I, but I, I also watch who they were when they first joined me and who we've helped them become as people. And that's, that's right. One of the greatest joys for me in business is watching people grow and watching people become who they really choose to be and stepping into their light and stepping into their power. Yeah. That's what we do for business owners. You know, yep. my, my course, my 30X business course, my 30X life course, it's called 30X because it's 30 minutes a day for 30 days. And I sell for 99 bucks because I. it's not about making a ton of money that thing for me it's about making sure I reach as many people as I can but I watch people over the time of going through that course and I watch the impact we have on people and I, I think that's probably one of the greatest joys there is to to doing what you do and what I do is is getting to see that but dang I, I know some of the female coaches in my team now and they are the just the strongest of strong women mm-hmm. I get, I'm lucky. I've had female CEOs running my companies for about half of my life. So half the time I've had female CEOs, and half the time I had male CEOs. And dang! If they wanted some strong women to put me on my backside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love that, and it's just so beautiful watching watching people step into their power. I, that's why I do what I do. I love seeing people do that. So uh, the the other thing I wanted to know is with. Being a coach and a leader and a, a business owner of so many businesses, self care must be really important for you in regards to your mindset and your physical uh, body. What habits do you have to ensure that you've got a really strong mind and that you're keeping your body healthy? What are your What are your habits or your rituals that you have?
1: Yeah. So uh, again, glad you changed the word there to ritual. So I was about to exactly say. Exactly <laughs> that. Um, you know, for me, exercise every day is ritualistic. Uh, you know, I get up in the morning. I have several things on the balcony in my house. I'm overlooking all of Las Vegas. But I just walk straight out there in the morning and go exercise before everyone in the house gets up. Um, that that's ritualistic. Eating healthy, eating well. You know, I I still remember as a young man having to learn to eat real well because you're you're. Energy levels during the day just got sucked out of you if you didn't, you know, and you couldn't perform at your peak. Um, So yeah, staying extraordinarily fit and healthy is is a big part of it. But I've had periods like I, when my wife was pregnant with our last baby, um, actually both of us, we we were uh, unfortunately both caught in uh, Route 91 and uh, Harvest, and and, uh, you know from that the post-traumatic stress led us both to not a good place, and I. I remember it was uh, New Year's Eve. So about three, four months later, New Year's Eve, my wife was pregnant. And I looked pregnant, um, mm. and, and uh, just standing there and uh, just saying, "Okay, fat son, time to get back to being fit again." You know, there's times in your life where you'll fall off the treadmill, but yeah, you just got to get back on and and do what you can do to stay fit and stay healthy. I think it's. It's a very important. If you want your mind to perform at peak levels, you've got to take care of your body. You, the health of your gut determines your happiness levels because there's so many things like that that people have to make sure. But as a business owner, you need to be healthy. You need you need to be healthy.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that you were reading one book a week. Was that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, book a week. That's yeah, what Jim Ryan taught me when I was sixteen. So. Yeah, and book a filling week for your mind.
0: Most of the
1: time, I did more than a book a week. Though most of the time, when I was young, I I had plenty of time, so I could just read as much as as much as possible. These days, you know, I'm lucky. I I love Audible, so uh, I get a lot of books read to me every week. So yeah,
0: same, same. And with your, because with everything that's going on in the world, one of the things that I make sure that I do is I really limit what that noise of say the news. Like I'll get what I need to get. And then I just filter everything else out and and make sure that I'm filling my mind with all the stuff that's going to serve me, like audio books, like reading books, all now, those sorts of things. During
1: during COVID was the first time I've watched the news in 20 years. Yeah. So I've not watched the news in 20 years. I, don't, I just don't find a need for it anymore. It's like, it's no longer news. It's now opinions. It should just be called opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 'Cause it's it's not the news, it's it's this is my opinion about what happened.
0: Yeah.
1: You're Absolutely. supposed to tell me what happened and I'm supposed to make up my opinion on what happened. I'm not supposed to, you know, have my opinion told to me by you, but it seems to be the way the world is these days. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now I I mentioned your book before, and I have got your book that I've had for so I don't even know how many years I've had this for, right? Yeah, that
1: cover that cover was uh, when I self published that book, so that would have been seventeen. Uh, what are we? 2023 20, 20, 20, So you'd
0: say how old I am?
1: <laughs> 15, probably fifteen years ago. That was the third book I ever wrote. So this wow. is the latest one. This is book number seventeen.
0: Uh, that was my question. Uh, so my question was, what, uh, you know, have you got new, some new books out? Uh,
1: 17 of them. So yeah, the, 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 that's the last one. The one before that was called The Wealth Coach. I wrote it because um, kids just aren't learning money. And uh, I wanted to write a book where kids could learn the subject of money. And funnily enough, I wrote it with a specific friend of mine's kids in mind. And uh, I gave him the book and said, what do you think? Will this work for your kids? He read the book and he says, no, it won't work for my kids. I need to read it first because I don't understand <laughs> most of that stuff. And like, Yeah. So here's a, a book I thought I was writing for kids. It ended up being a book for adults and kids. So I went and rewrote it to make it a bit more adult-friendly. Uh, but he, as he said to me, he said, most of the stuff I've never learned about money. Because people don't study money. They, yeah. For some reason people get embarrassed when you talk about it. it's like that crazy thing of you know you don't talk about money at the dinner table. You should always talk about money at the dinner table. Because if you don't, when are you gonna learn it? How are you gonna learn money? It's you know, yeah. a subject you gotta learn, you gotta understand. If if you understand money, you can be financially free in ten years. If you don't understand money, you will work for money for the rest of your life and you'll never be financially free.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with with all that you've achieved now, Brad, what's your vision for the next 12 months, the next 10 years? What's on the cards for you?
1: Yeah, the next well, the next 12 months is, uh, from a business standpoint, taking advantage of all the opportunities out there. It's going to be a lot of businesses we'll buy in the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll build them up and sell them off because they'll be going very, very cheap in a lot of cases. Um, the next 20 years, you know, I, I'm... It's my 50th birthday next year, and uh, come 50 was a time for me to start divesting. So I'll start selling off companies uh, at around 50 and start uh, being more of a relaxed person. I'm pretty relaxed nowadays. I mostly, most weeks, other than during COVID, I've, I've worked two two days a week for the last, gotta be eight, nine years. Um, I work Tuesdays and Thursdays while the kids are at school. and. Uh, other than that, I'm pretty relaxed and, and live a good life. And in, I spend a lot of time investing, though. I do a lot of investing these days. Um, from a life point of view, look, we my wife and I agreed that our first goal was to get all of our kids through college successfully, you know, get them through school and college successfully and set them up for a good life. So I think the baby is only two, so I've still got like 20 <laughs> something years to go there. So. Uh, I, I've got to stay fit and healthy to make sure I keep up with Riley and uh, the twins. So, uh, you know, most of, uh, if I go back to my philosophy, being a business should give you more life. Business shouldn't be your life. Business should provide you with a life. It's a vehicle to give you a great life. Now, I've, I've been very lucky in my life in that I've, my business allows me to leave a legacy. My business allows me to help people massively. And so, if I get a lot of people that I can help grow businesses and become successful employers, then that, I'll be pretty happy if that's if that's the legacy I leave, that, you know, there's millions of people who are in business because of me or, or succeeded in business because of me and my team.
0: Beautiful. Love that. How can the, the the listeners will be thinking, how can they get involved with you? How can they follow you? uh how's the best way for them to get in touch with you
1: you can find me on any social media uh, (laughs) linkedin facebook instagram twitter i'm not on pinterest though you you won't find me on there i'm not that crafty (laughs) um uh you can also find me on youtube or my website brandsugars.com, or jump on actioncoach.com go see one of my coaches Grab a coach, have them help you grow your business, help them. Uh, they, they're a great team of people. We're very lucky to have such great people, and they'll, they'll be more than willing to help you grow your business. But Amazon has all the books. Jump on there. Um, start reading. Start studying. That's that's the key to it, I believe.
0: Yeah, and you're doing Facebook Lives like nearly every day. It keeps popping up on my thing, on my Facebook so yeah, I do
1: drive time pretty much every day. Every day yeah. I go to the gym or I drop the kids off to school. I take five minutes. My team once said to me, they said, boss, we need more content. I'm like, seriously, I don't have any time to do content. I'm not coming into the TV studio and doing all that cause we have a TV studio at my office. And uh, they looked at me and said, well, when do you have spare time? I said, I don't know, when I'm in the car. And they're like, perfect. So <laughs> we went and set this whole rig up so that when I get in my car, I just press a button and I'm, I'm live on Facebook and Instagram. and. Teaching people all about business and success, so yeah, drive time's a lot of fun. I get to have a drive with a bunch of people every day. And we talk about success.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So we've got you on tap. <laughs> you
1: well, know, it, it seems that way. It's it's, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people are like you teach a lot of free stuff out there on on Instagram and on the Facebook, and I'm like, yeah. Well, why do you give it away? Well, because people need it. And no one seems to understand that. I remember in Australia when I first started doing my free seminars way, way, way back when, and everyone was so like, stop doing free seminars. You know, it's like, no, you know what? People need this stuff. I'm going to teach it for free and see what happens.
0: Yeah, love that. Love it. All righty, are, are you now ready for JJ's rapid-fire questions?
1: All right, it's the rapid-fire time. <laughs> see if I can survive the cool
0: shots. Let's go. All righty, so what's the best piece of advice you've been given?
1: Never wish your life were easier. Wish that you were better, Jim Rohn.
0: Love that. Your favourite book. That's going to be a hard one.
1: Other than mine, um, (laughs) My Life in Advertising and Scientific Advertising, two books written in the 1920s by Claude C. Hopkins.
0: Oh, beautiful. Who would play you in a
1: movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ben Stiller.
0: Ben Stiller. Stiller. Oh, Ben Stiller. Stiller.
1: He's, he's crazy enough and smart enough Here you go.
0: <laughs> what's one thing on your bucket list
1: oh uh, one thing that's currently you, you know you do know i'm partners with travis bell in a company called no, I life so no i didn't life coaching no i didn't bells runs bucket list life coaching so we teach people how to build a bucket list life plan so that's a lot of fun uh one thing on my bucket list to go to space there's Go space.
0: Day. Beautiful. If you could trade lives with anyone for one day, who would it be and why?
1: One of my kids. My God, their life is so much easier than mine. I'd <laughs> be one of my kids.
0: <laughs> Three words that describe you.
1: Um, fun. Focused. See, I, I keep going back to, you know, husband, father and entrepreneur. So maybe maybe those three are the ones, husband, father, entrepreneur. Yeah.
0: If you could have any five people at a dinner, whether they're dead now or alive, who would they okay. be?
1: Um, Sir Richard. Yep. Branson. Rupert Murdoch. Um. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Ben Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Uh -uh. Yeah, I'd have all business people, all business people, because I love talking business. I just love that, and I could talk with them all for hours and just pry into their minds for hours and hours on it.
0: Love it. If you could have one superpower, what would you have? Invisible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what TV remember, I have five kids. Those sorts of questions <laughs> get asked all the time. <laughs>
0: what TV sitcom family would you be a member of?
1: Oh, God, modern family.
0: <laughs> modern family.
1: Mm.
0: And the last one is what legacy do you want to be remembered for?
1: Uh, helping people become entrepreneurs and survive in business and thrive in business, yeah. Love it. Helping, helping people get into business and stay in business. Love Great jobs. You now listen, I love business owners because they create more jobs. That's what they do, and they never get any kudos for it. They're phenomenal for that stuff.
0: Yeah, love it. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been such I could I could speak to you for hours, and but I really respect your time, and I. I really respect that you've yet uh, given an hour of your time to to really serve my community, and uh, I really appreciate that. I love your work. I've already learnt heaps from you, so I'm gonna listen back to the podcast and get those tips and and. Uh, the, the books that you've uh, also said about. Yeah. So uh, I'll. JJ, can
1: I say one thing? Of course. If anyone's, if anyone's watching this podcast or listening to this podcast for the first time, please subscribe. Don't just listen once. You got to keep coming back and keep coming back. JJ's doing a million, uh, brilliant job out there of educating. So stay with her, keep learning from her.
0: Thank you so much, um, yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for serving and all that you do and for all the ripple effect that you have out in the world, I think sometimes you know as coaches, one thing i I often think about is sometimes you get feedback from people and that's beautiful, but there's also the people that you're helping out there that you'll never ever know you'll never ever know that the grandma that you helped to the the daughter, the son, the auntie. Uh, So, you know, I I love coaches and and, uh, that's why I became a coach because it's about serving others. So I love your work, Brad. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Welcome. Most welcome.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Be Your Own Best Coach with JJ. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at JJSpeakerCoach. And remember to live with insatiable passion, create an empowered life and inspire others to live theirs.